0: There is in this lineage, in verse 12,
1: a significant event. And it's called out in verse 11 and 12. Verse 11 and 12, it says, the time they were carried away to Babylon. In verse 12, after that, they were brought to Babylon. So this event is called the carrying away to Babylon. And it's called out as a specific event. And it was a significant event because that was a time in Jewish history, when the Jewish people should have been totally annihilated. I mean, it, you know, who's ever heard of virtually all of the people taken as slaves and surviving as a people and then be allowed to return to their homeland and build up as a people again? It doesn't happen. And there's only one reason the Jewish people were not destroyed by Egypt, under Egypt. There's only one reason they weren't destroyed under Babylon. There was only one reason they weren't destroyed under Rome, under the Nazis. And the reason is a word that God spoke in Isaiah 65, 8. Isaiah 65, 8, where it says, Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is in the cluster, and one saith, destroy it not, for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servants' sakes, that I might not destroy them. So the only reason why the Jewish people weren't destroyed during the Babylonian captivity and all the others is because God said, destroy it not destroy it not, for a blessing is in it. Just as you would expect, as we mentioned before, just as you would expect from the personality of a tax collector, getting a lot of pleasure in organization, not one of the things I get pleasure in, but anyway, that's tax collectors. He has neatly organized the genealogy of the Lord, just like he's organizing money. He's got three neat stacks of 14 coins. So the first neat stack is the 14 generations from Abraham to King David. And the second neat stack is the 14 generations from King David to the beard carrying away to Babylon. And the third neat stack is 14 generations carrying away Babylon to the birth of the Lord. So in the first neat stack of the 14 generations from Abraham to King David, we have the building up of the Jewish people from Abraham to a great people under King David. The second neat stack we have the great people flourishing during the times of the kings of Israel. Some good kings, some bad kings, mostly bad, but nevertheless, flourishing. And the third neat stack is that we have the great downfall of Israel to a state where we find them here in Romans 1, in Matthew 1, of being under Roman rule. This is where the family of the Messiah has dwindled down from being the family of the great King David in the great city of Jerusalem to now being the family of Joseph, who is a poor carpenter in one of the most despised cities of Israel, Nazareth. And it will be from this poor family of Joseph that there will be the rising up again, the rising up again. As it says in Luke 2.32, Luke 2, 32, the rising up will be from the Lord Jesus, he will be the rising up to be the light, to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Balaam saw this, Balaam saw this all the way back in Numbers 24, 17. Numbers 24, 17, Balaam saw this when Balaam said, I see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star, out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. So from this poor family of Joseph, a star is rising out of Jacob and a scepter is rising out of Israel. Now we come to how the Lord Jesus, the explanation on how the Lord Jesus was born in verse 18. It explains to us the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise so we're going to get an exclamation. All right. His mother was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found the child of the Holy Ghost. So this is what happened. It was a period of time in the lives of Mary and Joseph where they were espoused to each other. The time was, it was a very important time. A very sacred time It was like being married, but they weren't married yet. Mary continued to live in her parents' home. Joseph had not taken her to his home to be his wife yet. And they were just looking forward to marriage. It was a wonderful time. It was a time when young love was blossoming. And it was a time filled with bright hopes for coming happiness of the new home. And at last, they were gonna be husband and wife. And it says there, the word found in verse 18 just portrays a shock. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. She found herself with child of the Holy Ghost. And the emphasis here is on Mary, Joseph found Mary with child. And Joseph didn't know that Mary was with child of the Holy Ghost. They loved each other, but now there was this huge barrier which was just too great for his love or their love to overcome. Mary, she knew a secret. She knew the secret. And we can only wonder, did she try to explain that to Joseph? Maybe she was just too scared to tell Joseph. Maybe she whispered it in his ear. Or maybe she just kept it a secret. But when the angel told Mary what was gonna happen to her, that she was gonna be with child of the Holy Ghost, she knew she was in for some really tough time. She knew it was gonna be very difficult in her relationship with Joseph. But the beauty of Mary, the beauty of Mary is that she was willing to sacrifice even that when she submitted to God, when it says in Luke one thirty four, Luke one thirty four, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary was told that she wasn't given details. She was saying the Holy Ghost is gonna come upon you. You're gonna have a child. And she knew from the scripture that that's the same Holy Ghost in Genesis who is described as brooding, rakephet, brooding over the creation. In Genesis 1-2, the second verse in the book of Genesis, the earth was without form and void, Genesis 1-2, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, brooded over the water. The Spirit of God rechefet over the face of the waters. So she knew the same Holy Spirit of God was gonna brood over her and she'd be pregnant without any man. And the Bible gives no explanation other than the simple words in verse 18, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And she knew it was gonna be an awful barrier between her and Joseph. When I was in Israel on this last trip, more than once in Israeli mocked me, and it was really guy, mocked me and said, sure, you think I would believe my girlfriend if she came home and told me she was pregnant by the Holy Ghost? That's exactly the way Joseph thought. But Joseph loved Mary, and Joseph trusted Mary, and Joseph wanted to believe Mary, but it was too much. It was too incredible, it was too over the top. He loved Mary, he trusted Mary, but there's a limit to that trust, and even the most loving heart. And this story to Joseph just seemed completely impossible, just like the Israelis, and it was just over the top. Too much to believe. His love was wounded. His love for Mary was wounded, and he was suspicious of Mary. And his suspicious deeply wounded Mary's heart also. And this was a tremendous dilemma for Joseph. What's Joseph gonna do? I mean, Joseph is caught in a state here of terrible anxiety. He's torn apart. Everything for him is on one hand that Mary had told Joseph that she was innocent, and on the other hand, appearances against her. You know, on the one hand, Mary had told Joseph that there was an angel that announced to her that she was gonna have a child by the Holy Ghost, and on the other hand, Joseph hadn't heard from that angel. And furthermore, this situation was gonna look very, very bad for Joseph because he was going to be seen as the father and child. So caught with this dilemma, Joseph is thinking and thinking and thinking, what is he going to do? What should he, should he do? He can't discuss it with anyone. He doesn't discuss it with anyone. He's got to make his decision alone. So verse 19 tells us that Joseph was a just man, and that meant that he didn't want to make her a public example. That means that Joseph was trying to be fair to Mary, And he felt that the best way for him to be fair to Mary was to not do her any wrong, any unnecessary wrong. I mean, he couldn't believe her. Joseph couldn't believe Mary, or at least Joseph could not completely believe Mary. And so he was conflicted in this anxiety. And his first concern is his love for Mary, and he doesn't want to hurt her. So he's come up with a plan that he will do the least harm to Mary. And his plan could be called something like the private divorce. So he's gonna prepare, Joseph is all set to prepare a very private legal letter of divorce and hand it to Mary privately in the presence of two trusted witnesses that he's not gonna tell the reason for the divorce to. And he feels that this is gonna be the most delicate way for him to treat Mary, the woman he loves. And the last thing he wants to do is to bring Mary to a point of shame and death. For Harlotry, so this is the, he feels is the middle ground. I mean, it still leaves him with a broken heart. He's still very broken, but he's come to what he feels is the best conclusion that he could do given all the facts that he had, and he still has no peace. You're faced with some very disturbing facts, some very disturbing news, and like Joseph, you thought very carefully through all the options. In fact, just like Joseph, you're just so tired thinking about the problem that you've come to really hate it. And just like Joseph, you wish you could just wake up and have it all just be a dream. It's not true at all. You ever been that way? You ever been the way Joseph is in verses 19 through 20? Like Joseph, you've rehearsed all the facts ad nauseum, and you're sick of thinking about it anymore. And like Joseph, you've come to the conclusion of what you're gonna do, and you've made your mind up. And like Joseph, your plan is set, and you're hoping you could just have peace now And resolution has come, but like Joseph, you can't leave it alone. You just cannot leave it alone. Something's not right. You don't know what it is, and it's tormenting you to death. That's Joseph. And this is what it means in verse 20 when it says, But while he thought on these things, he'd already concluded, but he couldn't stop thinking about them. It means that while he was torn apart with all these thoughts in his mind here, and it looks like Joseph is just going to be hopelessly consumed in this turmoil. And this is what, why verse 20 is so precious, because it says, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So right when it seemed that there was no way for Joseph to get any peace, the angel of the Lord appears. And it's such a surprise in verse 20 that the word behold because it's a surprise. He didn't expect the angel of the Lord. It was a behold moment for Joseph. But this is God's intervention. This was God's intervention. And this is what we can expect in our lives. It may not be as fast as we want, and it wasn't as fast as Joseph wanted, but God will not leave us in this state of turmoil just like he didn't leave Joseph in that state. It reminds me of what happened to Mike Johnson. He told me one time that when he was in the Navy and he was out at sea on a ship, And he said, all of a sudden, this wave of doubt just came over him. And he thought, is the Bible really true? Does God really exist? And he was just really tormented. He was in a soul turmoil. And so Mike just made the decision that he was just going to keep reading his Bible, and he was going to continue to pray. And in time, all the doubts disappeared. and Mike was assured the Bible is true and God does exist. This is what happened to Joseph. Joseph was in this state of misery He was in misery because he distrusted Mary. Misery, he was in misery if he wanted to trust Mary. He was in misery to do nothing. He was in misery to do something. It was just misery. So Joseph just prayed, thought, just like Mike Johnson, just prayed, went on. And at last, the answer came. And in Joseph's case, it was an angel that appeared to him at night while he was sleeping. It was an angel that appeared to him. The angel Angels are said to be ministering spirits in Hebrews 1, 14. Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? It's wonderful to see how Joseph was so troubled over what to do and he needed to be ministered to and the Lord sent an angel to minister to him and he gave him the decision. This is how God helps us through angels. If angels are spoken of as setting up a camp around us in Psalm 34, seven. Psalm 34, seven, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. And there's two dramatic illustrations of this in the Bible. The one is where the king of Assyria has sent his army to destroy one lone person, the prophet Elisha. And he says, you know, we're finished, we're done. It's over, it's curtains for us. In sent Kings, 2 Kings 615, 615. When the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than be with them. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about. Elisha, that was a dramatic, that was drama. And then the other drama was again when king of Assyria Sennacherib sent his whole army to go and destroy Hezekiah in the city of Jerusalem and Hezekiah was so upset over it and then the word of God came to Isaiah Isaiah 37:22 Isaiah 37:22 This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him The virgin daughter of Zion hath despised thee And laugh thee to scorn, the daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head at thee. That's what the message was to Sennacherib and to his his army. And it says, then the angel of the Lord went out. And it says in Isaiah 37, 35, Isaiah 37, 35. It's a great passage. It's a great history here. It's something we should always be thinking about and, and thanking and rejoicing. It says, Isaiah 37, 35, I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and and 5,000. I like the way it says, 5,000. We're not gonna miss one. When they rose up early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt in Nineveh. It came to pass that he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adremelech and Shazar, his son, smote him with the sword and they escaped. What a sight that must have been. 185,000 dead Assyrian corpses, dead in their beds. Can you imagine that? you imagine the shock of the Assyrians that were still alive and they weren't killed and they come into the tents and say, hey, get up, get up, and they're, they're all dead. Well, angels help us, angels help us, angels help Joseph. The angel of the Lord addresses Joseph by his title in Matthew one twenty: Joseph, thou son of David, Can you imagine Joseph, when he hears that, he's saying to himself, me, (laughs) the son of David, I'm a poor carpenter living in a despised city. But he addresses this root problem with Joseph, which is fear. He says, don't be afraid to trust Mary, trust her. And Joseph was afraid to trust Mary. And these fears, the angel said in verse 20, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. He's in the process of divorcing his wife. And he's in the process of not calling her his wife anymore. And God steps in and corrects Joseph and says, no, you call Mary your wife. It is Mary your wife. And God's saying to Joseph, Joseph, I know you feel that divorce is your only option, but forget about it. View Mary as your wife. Take her back. And that's the impact of when God says, "Mary, thy wife. That message calmed Joseph's fears. It removed her doubts over Mary and it let him return to his love to Mary and gave the message that Joseph needs so that he could believe her, and then the angel reveals to Joseph this prophecy that's being fulfilled. Well, he says in verse twenty-one, "She shall bring," verse twenty-one, "She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins." Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled. That's the key word in the book of Matthew: fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord of the Lord by the prophet, saying, "Behold, a virgin shall be with child; she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel," which being interpreted as "God with us." So what is this prophecy? This is Isaiah 714. Isaiah 714, where it says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and should call his name Emmanuel. This is what God through his prophet Isaiah told King Ahaz that a sign was coming, a great sign. The sign was going to be that a virgin should conceive and be called Emmanuel. Now the Hebrew word here is Alma. Been much arguing about this word Alma. It can mean a young girl. It can mean a virgin. It was referred to as Rebecca. Rebecca was called an alma in Genesis twenty four forty three. Genesis twenty four forty three. It made it very clear that she knew no man. And after all, there'd be nothing. What's a big sign in Isaiah seven fourteen? If it just meant Isaiah seven fourteen, therefore the Lord Himself should give you a sign. Behold, a young girl shall conceive and bear a son. And when the seventy rabbis translated the Bible from Hebrew to Greek in the Septuagint, they used the word parthogenesis for this, which means a virgin in Greek. There's no question about that. It was only after the Messiah did come in Matthew 1 here and was born of the Virgin Mary that the word Alma all of a sudden becomes in dispute in Isaiah 7, 14. Oh, does it really mean the virgin? So anyway, so Joseph is told that the son that Mary was gonna have is gonna be called Emmanuel our togetherness with God, togetherness with God, God with us. So Joseph understood that Jesus was going to be God coming to be with man. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. So here is Jesus. He's coming from heaven. He's going to be with man. Here's Jesus. He's coming out of his glory as God. He's going to be made flesh so he can cleanse man from his sin. He's going to make possible for man to be forgiven by God by paying the price and shedding his blood. And Joseph is told by the angel, name him Jesus. Now, Jesus is two words put together. The first is Jeh, which refers to uh, Jehovah, Yahweh, God. And the second is Shua, which means salvation or deliverance. So the name Jesus means the salvation of Jehovah. It means the deliverance of God. In other words, Jesus is gonna be the way that God is gonna save man from his greatest threat, which is his sins, Jesus is Greek. It's Greek. It's a Greek form of Yeshua, which is like Joshua. You think back at Joshua, because Joshua, the first Joshua, he leads Israel out of Sinai, the desert of death, into Canaan, the land of life. Here's the second Joshua, Jesus, who's going to lead his people out of the desert of the death of their sins into heaven, the land of life. So like I said, his name here is his mission, in verse 21, verse 21, Jesus, he shall save his people from their sins. He himself shall save his people from their sins. Like it says in Hebrews 7.25, Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Or as it says in Titus 2.14, Titus 2.14, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the coming of the Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would impress on us the wonder of it all when you left glory and you came to be born as a humble baby and to a poor family from a despised city. Lord, help us to be followers of the Lamb wherever you go in Jesus' name,
0: amen. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on youtube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Israel Restoration Ministries is excited to announce a limited time offer for our Friendship with God study Bible and hymnal. This package includes a large printed genuine lambskin leather Bible Featuring over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references, maps, timelines, and frequently asked questions. In addition, you'll also receive our Friendship with God hymnal. This hymnal, the first of its kind, contains over 1,000 hymns and melodies, making it the largest collection ever printed. Included with your purchase, you'll also receive a complimentary engraving of your name on either book. For more information, visit us at friendshipwithgod.org or give us a call at 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.